And hey, so imagine, okay, hey guys, <laughs> imagine that, that you guys take off and, and we're on one of our little boat tours, right, our paddleboard tours, and we go to an island. Let's imagine we get out to an island, and it's an island we've never been at before, and we start uh, you know, venturing through the island, and it's one of the islands that Sneaky Pete, the old cop in Fort Pierce, told me about. He's gone now, but man, we're... T- treasures buried, where there's all kinds of crazy things going on. How many of y'all ever heard the urban legends about the Treasure Coast before? You know, it's out there, bro. So anyways, but anyway, so, so imagine we get out to one of these islands and we start going through the island. You're following me uh, with a machete, right? Right, Cap? Uh, Chief, <laughs> we got a machete and we're going through and I'm cutting a path and we get into the middle and all of a sudden we see this makeshift grave site. Man, it's a makeshift gravesite. How many of y'all would be into digging that gravesite up? Anybody here? Really? Oh, I got a few. Jeff back there? All right, good. Thank you for participating here. But some of y'all are like, dude, that's just weird to dig up a gravesite. That's kind of sacrilegious. That's kind of like disrespectful. That's kind of, dude, you don't mess with that. Don't be digging up a gravesite. Y'all keep that in your mind, all right? Think about how weird it would be to just dig up that gravesite, all right? And, and keep that in mind as we go through this message, because I agree with you, dude. It's, it, they ain't, dude, I'm not going to go dig up a gravesite unless I go over here and I start messing around in the rocks and I'm looking for conch shells and stuff, and all of a sudden, I find a treasure map. Dude, I find one of the, I, I pull this open, man. It's a little pirate map, and it says, take five steps here, take three steps here, and, and dig down, and you'll find an X in the ground, and I move it, and all of a sudden, I find an X in the ground. And it's a pirate treasure map. Man, that's legit. How many of y'all now are going to help me dig that gravesite up? Still only Jeff. All right, good, Chris. I see some of you adventure. Some of y'all are saying, no, that's just too weird. We ain't doing that. But I guarantee I started digging it up. Some of y'all, how many of y'all be looking? How many of y'all would watch me dig it up? Okay, good. All right. So, so I mean, we got a pirate treasure map, man. We're digging up. And, and I'm digging. And all of a sudden, man, there's, there's a casket there. And so we dig around the casket, and we kind of lift. That's just me and Jeff and uh, Chris, because that's the only ones who volunteered so far, right? They can just watch the whole way through now. They don't get to be part of that treasure. So we lift the casket out, okay? There's a casket. All of a sudden, under the casket, dude, there's a treasure box, <laughs> a treasure chest. Now how many of y'all help me lift that treasure chest out? All right, I got a few of y'all now, fair-weather friends. Now you're like, all right, it's getting worth it. You know, you didn't believe the X that was in the map. You didn't believe the X that was on the casket. You had to lift the casket out, and there's the treasure box. So now we lift out the treasure box. And here you are, all right? So we've got a hole now, and, and we're sitting on the edge of the hole, all right? Sitting on the edge of the hole, there's a casket, and there's a treasure box, all right? Which one y'all going to dig into first? Uh, which one? The, you wanted it. Oh, some of y'all, how many of y'all going to dig in the casket first? I mean, it's worth a shot, dude. You never know. If you had a treasure box, there might be something in there, right? So let, let's just say we open the casket up, and all we find are some dead, just some bones, man. We find some bones, man. We don't find really anything of any value except to the person who knew that person and had the decency to give them a decent burial, and there's bones in there. Maybe it's like my dad's casket where we buried it with his Detroit Tiger hat, all right, and put a baseball in and a, and a tub of bubble gum. If you ever want to know the story why we buried my dad with bubble gum, well, I'm going to tell you anyways, because <laughs> Pine Hills, where I grew up, it's, in, it's called Crime Hills, and it's all these little kids that grow up to be gangsters in Pine Hills on the west side of Orlando. They all end up in jail. They all end up dry, dealing drugs. They all end up, as a whole, in trouble the way I was before Jesus saved me. And may, I was part of what made Pine Hills Crime Hills. But as you know, our society is getting worse, and it kept getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. So my dad, he had a tub of bubble gum. This has nothing to do with the message, by the way. Maybe it will later, but you'll see. He had a tub of bubble gum, and he would, every day, the little jits, little kids, they would come up, and they would knock on his door and say, hey, Mr. Frederick. And he'd say, did you go to school today? Did you do your homework? Did you get in trouble? Did you? And whatever they said, he's like, all right. And they would check in with him, and he'd give him a piece of bubble gum. And they'd walk off. Later, when they became gangsters, like 13, and they had guns and all this other stuff, they were like, don't mess with Mr. Frederick. So it was, it was protection for him. He was all right, but they never forgot him. And at his funeral, some of those guys showed up, man. And, and he made a difference in their life because he's the only accountability factor they had. He passed bubblegum out every day. So that was his legacy. That was his claim to fame. We buried him with a big tub from Sam's, fresh, of 
double bubble, all right? And it was right there. So, so say we open that casket up, and there's some double bubble. There's a Detroit Tiger hat. Would you be interested in a Detroit Tiger hat? Maybe if your head's getting sunburned. I know you're Detroit fans, right? You know, but it's there. there there's some value. And if we knew the person, there's some great sentiment in that casket, all right? There's a reason to look back in there. Reason we go to see, you know, grave sites, different things. But let's just say, oh, wow, I knew that dude, you know? But then we open up the treasure box. Oh, my goodness. What are you going to find, Selma? What are we going to find in that treasure box? Treasure! You're a smart girl. That's why I called on you. And, and, and you start digging in, and you're, you're finding treasure. You don't even know what it is. You're like, what is this? Man, other stuff. I know what this is. It's full of treasure. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're done going through everything, and you're sitting around again. Now you're being challenged. You're being called to open one or the other. Which one are you all going to open, the casket or the treasure box? You're going to open the treasure box now that you know what's in there. Would it be weird to open up the casket again? It will be. Yeah, who said a little bit? Yeah. But I'm going to show you, sister, what keeps putting you in a funk is sometimes you keep opening up the old casket instead of the treasure box that God has got for us. Amen? All right? And it's not just you and your pink hat, which I love, and you knocked it off while you're playing drums, man. That was awesome. (laughs) But look, man, we were dead. I'm going to show you this. We were dead. That's how we came into this world. But everybody sound the count of three. Say the next two with the exclamation point. We were dead, but God, exclamation point. Yes, we were dead, but God. And I've been so excited to preach this on Ephesians chapter 2. Last week when I was reading it, week before when I'm reading it, this week when I'm reading it, I'm like, all right, I'm not even going to preach. I just want to read it because it's so self-explanatory. It's so rich. I read it from every translation I could find, Zane. And man, it's awesome. I even printed it out on Facebook. I posted it last night. The first thing I posted was out of the message. And that dude... You can, you can poo-poo his scholarly whatever, his word-for-word translation, but the dude knew context. <laughs> I will vouch for his context. You read it out of the message, you're like, oh, there it is. And I'm like, God, I'm not going to say nothing but the scripture. And you know what, Gary, if I told you I ain't going to say nothing but the scripture, what would you say? <laughs> no, I'm going, with, I'm going with Ashley's answer. I'm going with Ashley's answer. You're a liar. You know I can't because Scripture is alive, man. It's here. And so, man, we were dead, but God. That's supposed to be we were dead, but God, okay? And, and yeah, change that in there because it means something different. We were. Are you dead anymore if you're a believer? No, you are not dead. You are alive. We were dead. Now we're alive. So we were dead, but God. Check this out, man. All right. Oh, I'm having you change this. Just go to the next scripture. All right. Now change that one. All right. We were dead. You see what a top, I mean, we we get it, right? All right. So listen to this. This ain't my words. These are God's words. Through the apostle Paul, as he's in prison, writing to the church in Ephesus, all right? And uh, don't, all right, you just get it behind the scenes, all right? All right, so anyways, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, uh, starting in verse 1. Once you were what? Dead. Cap, what does it mean? What does it mean to be dead? Yeah, not living. There's not, not you know, partially dead, not partially alive, or I don't know how it's said in the Princess Bride. Well, if you're mostly dead, you're still a little alive. I don't know. Go, go watch that and get that quote down. But the fact is that you're either dead or you're alive. You were Barb. You were Rick. You were, yeah. Sue, you were Mark. What were you? Dead. You were dead, yes. And that would be a great guess. Gavin, you were dead. We were dead, dude. We were dead. We were dead. We were alive, but we were dead. And so you were dead because of your disobedience, your many sins. Now, in the King James, some of the others, it says, because of your transgressions and your sins. This is what killed you spiritually and gave you no life. You were alive in this world, but you were dead spiritually. And it sucks about transgressions and sins transgressions, if you, it's like trespasses. Some, some, I think it's in King James says trespasses. 
right? If you trespass, Bill, that means you went somewhere what? That you weren't supposed to go. Like somebody right now who's entering your house and going through all your stuff while you're at church, they are what? If they were to be doing that, Barb, now I got Barb like folks, oh, what now? I don't have the gift of prophecy. Don't worry about that. But if they were, they'd be trespassing. They're going somewhere they weren't supposed to go. God has set a set of rules. What gives God the right to set a set of rules? Chris, what gives him the right? He's God. Well, big deal, he's God. What did he do that gives him the right? Everything, and he made it all. You know, he gets to choose what is and isn't done in the place that he created, the place that he made. So God says, here's the rules. You're like, well, I got my own rules. Well, if they're against God's rules, you trespassed. You're alive physically, but you ain't alive spiritually. Your sins separate you from God. Romans, Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, the wages, what you earn from your sin nature is eternal separation from God. And how many of y'all, hey, how long did it take Alana to sin? How old is she now? She's a little over a year. Has she sinned yet? Come on, she's only a little over a year. Oh, she got in trouble again last night. Yeah. When did she sin first? The day she was born. <laughs> I'm like, we're born with sin. We were born sinners. Did you have to teach her how to say, did you, like you're reading Keone in the Bible and stuff now, did you sit Alana down and say, all right, here's sinning 101. Here's how you're going to sin, not make it look like sin. Did you teach her all that? It came as standard equipment. And where did she get this standard equipment? No, we're going, we're, eventually, but where'd your, hey, where'd you guys learn, get your sin from? From your, oh, she's looking over like, I can't say my mom and dad, but just say it, that's biblical. You got your mom and daddy's genes, and where did they get their genes? From their mom and daddy. And where'd they get their genes? And all the way back to where? Adam. Adam, yeah. So again, man, you're dead in your trespasses. You're always trespassing, going somewhere that God doesn't want you to go in your actions. And we all know that's true. It's standard equipment. And he goes on and says, once you were uh, dead because of your disobedience, um, that was your, uh, that, that was a trespassing and your, and what's the next word? And your what? Well, hey, Fernando, what kind of sins are we talking about? What number of sins? Y'all read me second last word. Help me out, guys. Many. How many? Like, no, dude, I only had a few. <laughs> Chrissy's, I've only had to, now Steve, dude, I, you know, he's the mini guy. I'm compared to him, but who's God comparing us to? Him. And any is many, and if we're honest, we have had many sins. And you know what this word sin means? So the first one, disobedience, transgression, trespass, means that we've gone somewhere we're not supposed to go with God. How many of y'all are guilty? God said, don't go there, and you did, went there, Right? Adam and Eve, I talk about Adam. Hey, you guys could do whatever you want, anything you want. One rule, just don't eat what? The tree from the tree from the knowledge of good and evil. Because then you'll be set up to have to make decisions about everything and you're not qualified. And when you have to now make decisions about everything that you're not qualified about, you're going to make a lot of wrong decisions. When you make wrong decisions, it's going to mess everything up. How many of y'all resemble that remark? Yeah, that's disobedience. Sin means to fall short of perfection. It, sin literally translates out as failure. How many of y'all are a failure when it comes to being perfect? We don't like that, do we? And we don't have to like it because I'm going to tell you in a minute, Marissa, that's all in the casket. You can go live in the casket, but God wants us to live in the treasure chest. And so we tend to go back into the casket and, and we beat ourselves up with all this. And I want you to, But I want you to see the reality of it. We trespass against God. We go where he doesn't want us to go. But he says, here's what my goal is. Here's, here's perfection. Here's the bullseye. Oh, Jeff, by the way, for eradicating hogs at MFI, I, I, I literally forgot the crossbow I was going to bring you. And it wasn't just a ploy to get you to come to church either, I promise. But you can stop by my house and we'll hook it up. But if we go in my backyard, which is what I want to do, and I want to set that crossbow up, and I want to set one of the targets I have up, and what is the epitome of shooting that crossbow at the target. What's, what's the perf what is perfection? Hitting what? The bullseye. Hitting the bullseye. But man, if here's the bullseye and you miss right there, did you hit the bullseye? If you miss there, did you hit the bullseye? You miss there, you hit the bullseye. No, there's only one bullseye and that's perfection. How many of y'all have blown perfection? Anybody here? 
Yeah, thank you. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You just blew it by lying, all right? So I'm just saying, it's perfection. Here, it doesn't matter if you're this close or you're this close. You sinned. You missed the mark, which is what the word sin means. So we've gone where God doesn't want us to go, and we've blown perfection. And that's why we were dead. So how many of you can say, oh, I get it. I'm dead. I was dead. Anybody? Yeah. Once, once back in the day, you who are believers now were dead. And he says, because you went where God didn't want you to go, and you missed perfection. If you don't think you've gone, you've, you, you qualify, then I'm sorry. You're, you're even more dead. <laughs> because, let me ask you a question. Hey, Mark, does a, does a corpse hear the conversation in the, in the funeral parlor? Dude, you know, does a corpse... Does a corpse smell the snacks over in the next room? No. Does a corpse dance to the music? No, if it does, it's not dead, right? <laughs> so you can't have any senses towards what God wants, what God is doing. You're only alive to the sinful world, and we were all there. That's how we came into this world. Romans 3.10 says that uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That short of the glory of God is talking specifically about an archer shooting an arrow at a bullseye and missing. Once you were dead, and again, because of what? Your disobedience and your many sins. Not your one little, oh, I just messed up there. No. It's not, sin's not just doing the wrong thing. It's not doing the right thing. How many of y'all, since you've been here, have done the wrong? How many of you say, I have thought about the wrong thing? Because you're supposed to be paying attention, right? I'm just saying, no, I'm just, this is God's word. No, I'm, but listen, we wander off. It's not only doing the wrong thing, it's also not doing the right thing. How many of y'all do the right thing all the time? None of us do. Scott has the uncanny ability, told me, because of the military, he can look like he's awake, but he's really sleeping. And he moved all the way back in the back, like I can't see you back there, right? <laughs> yeah, if... Okay, all right. So, so listen, if you happen to see him and you really want to just raise your, raise your hand over by Emma, and I will so call on him, all right? And he'll get, because Scott, when you don't know the answer, what's the answer? God. <laughs> all right. So you were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, all right? He said, you used to, in the past as a believer, you used to live in sin. You want to tell me you didn't ever miss the mark? You lived in imperfection or some of the translations call sin failure. You lived in failure. How many of y'all lived in failure? According to God's standard. Boy, you won't hear this junk on Oprah, will you? You won't see it on Dr. Phil. You won't hear it in the world's philosophy. You won't even hear it in modern theology. It's all about making myself feel, oh, I need a self-esteem. If I don't love myself, I have nothing to love others with. How many of y'all ever heard that garbage straight from the pit of hell? I'm telling you what the Word of God says. You're a sinner, and we're not supposed to live there. If you want to keep going back and living in the casket, go ahead. But I want to tell you in a few verses how we can live in the treasure box. Stay out of the casket. That's what Oprah and all them, they're all taking you back. Again, the world is saying, I don't even know, does Oprah even still have a show or is she just a politician now? She gonna be the next president? I don't know. I'm just saying. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> but I'm just saying it doesn't matter, does it? Because who's king of kings and lord of lords? Who's gonna put people in charge and who's gonna not put people in charge? God does. No matter what he's got to do to put people he wants in charge, he's gonna do it. So who put the president we have right now in charge? God Almighty did. And he's got something for us to learn out of that. It's, part, it's in our treasure box. You never thought about our president, Nancy Pelosi, and all those guys being in our treasure box, did you, Steve? Dude, they're in our treasure box. Wait till we start talking about the treasure box, man. It's all there. So, man, like, again, the world's like, oh, no, I got to love me. Then I can love you. And then, no, God says, who does God say to love with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Who does he say to do that? The first commandment, who? Him. And remember when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, oh, dude, love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your mind, all your heart, all your soul. Love him with everything. And then the second one is what? Love others. Yeah, he said, you love me, 
you will love others. Why do you think God takes Crazy Al over there? And by the way, if you ever want to go to Haiti with Crazy Al, I'm not sanctioning it as a driftwood trip. We just get credit, all right? We make it possible for him to do whatever, because I have no clue what he does. I don't even go do the things he does. But if you want to go, Barb, go talk to Al. I mean, literally, he keeps coming back. I thought for sure, dude, you were going to get kidnapped, man. He even had the one gangster who gave his life to Christ asking, checking up on him before he went, hey, you're still coming. You're still coming. I'm thinking, dude, they're setting it up to kidnap Al. (laughs) But no, the dude needed surgery. It was like, praise God. Man, you, you, so, so here's what it is. You love God. He causes you to love others, right? That's the way God's designed it. You want to get to where you love yourself, man, (laughs) you know what? It it comes from loving God and loving others. And it's just like we talked about with a water hose. Bob, I blast you with a, if I blast you with a water hose, who else is going to get wet? Me, they are, and me. So you love God. He, he, helps you love others, you blast love on them, it comes back on you. That's how we're supposed to experience love, not backwards like the world says. So man, you used to live in that sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. How many of y'all were unsaved and you're like, yeah, dude, I'm a devil worshiper. I'm obeying the devil. No, no, there might've been some of you, but the fact is, according to the word of God, you were obeying the devil. It's his, he's, it's his world. Since he tricked Adam and Eve into doing what they did, God said, all right, good. I'm going to give people a way to follow me, and they're going to, they're going to benefit greatly, not only here, but in the, in the next life, which we'll see. He said, but for the rest of the time, you know what? I know you guys are going to make a lot of bad decisions, and as you make bad decisions, I know the world's going to fall apart. How many of y'all would say it's working? The world's falling apart, or is there still people that believe the world's getting better? No, I think you all have given all hope. And if you still have hope in that, go watch the news. You won't. But he said, I'm I'm a devil. You know what? I'm going to let devil run this, but I'm going to let people choose me, and I'm going to make it possible for you to have an abundant life in the treasure box. How many of y'all got an abundant life in the treasure box? Sometimes even. Yeah. So it's the devil's world right now, but God's ultimately in charge of all of it. And he says, man, just like the rest of the world, every one of us, I know that all of you were included because you're one of us in here, and this is what the Word of God, which is our final authority, says. I don't care what translation you use, how you take it, the only way you can make this say anything different is if you take it out of context. And Steve, if you were to write me a letter, would I have the right to take the sentences and make them say anything I want them to say? No, that would make you pretty ticked off, right? Yeah. Oh, Steve said you can all park your boat at his dock and snook fish under it. And then when you're hungry, go in his refrigerator because they hide the key. Oh, I'm not going to say that. No, that's not what he said. He said, I could do that. No, he didn't even say I could do it, actually. But, but if, you, if I don't have the right to twist your letter and things in your letter, what makes you think you might have the right to do that to God's? But do you know that's what progressive New Age Christianity is doing right now? Oh, we are newly enlightened, and, that, and, and there's new enlightenment, and we have things, oh, you guys don't have, and we can take this, and this is what it means. No, it's not what it means. If I can't twist Steve's word, I certainly cannot twist God's. A text without a context is a pretext, and it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Isn't that how sin started? God said, hey, man, you eat off that tree, you will surely die. Is that not what he said? That's God's word. We know it. You'll surely die. What did Satan say? Remember what Satan said? He said, oh, go ahead and eat off that tree. Ooh, doesn't it look good? Lust of the eyes. Oh, man, imagine how it's going to taste. Lust of the flesh. Oh, and you know why God don't want you really eating off that? Because it's going to make you like him. That's pride of life. The only three ways we can sin. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. But the kicker was he lied. What did he tell him? God said, you eat off it, you're going to die. And Satan said, if you eat off it, you will not die. So I don't know who you want to believe. I'm trying to believe God. And I have the ability as long as I stay out of the casket and I'm living in the treasure box. He said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So he's going from the devil down to your flesh. And let's look at the rest of this real quick. He says, all of us, all, Gigi, all right, I know you're Canadian. I know this is French, but what does all mean? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, is, is there anything else? No, he said every single one of us, from the Canadians to the crackers in Florida, and cracker's not a racist term, and you want to know how, come out on the boat and I'll tell you. All right, but dude, he said all of us used to live that way, obeying the devil, taking the devil's wishes, and they became the wishes of our heart. This is hard to swallow because we're like, no, that, no, it wasn't that bad. It was before you got saved. And if you do not know you're going to heaven and never given your life to Christ, that's where you're at right now. You may not think you're obeying the devil. No, I'm obeying this latest new book that I got at, you know, that I'm reading. On. No, I'm, I'm listening to this new philosophy. It's so beautiful. No, if it's not of God, it's of the devil. All of us used to live that way, following the, what kind of desires? Hey, so does it matter? Uh, Well, as long as you're sincere, it's okay. Right, Zane? Don't you ever hear that from people? As long as you're sincere, you know? Hey, what's your name? I just got to meet you guys. What's your name again? Linda. My wife's name's Linda, so I should remember. Your your name's not Eddie, is it? Oh, Jerome. All right. Ma'am, Linda, I am so sincere that if I take this chair and I hit you and Jerome over the head, it will not hurt. How many of y'all are sincere with me? You're sincere. Do I have any sincere people that are saying, dude, I believe in you. You must have heard that from the Holy Spirit, from God, because that's what you're saying. I sincerely believe I hit you in the head. It will not hurt. What do you think about my sincerity? I am sincerely wrong, right? How many of y'all think I'm sincerely wrong? Yeah. It's not about being sincere. It's about being sincerely right. And God is right. God is the truth. Anything against that is sincerely wrong. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires of our heart. So just because you're passionate about it, just because you really feel it, ooh, I feel it. Oh, that's how I want to be. Oh, my heart is telling me to go here and do this. What does Jeremiah say about the heart, Zane? Oh, yeah, dude, the armor of God says, man, put on a helmet and protect your thinking and put on a breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart and your guts because you've got emotions, you've got a will, and you've got thoughts, and they work together to make you passionately, sincerely wrong. You've got to cover them all with the truth. And that's how God protects us, through the armor of God. So he says... All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations. Doesn't that sound good? How many of y'all want to read a book about somebody who's passionate and has passionate inclinations? You be careful because he says, of our sinful nature. That's what's about me. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is theology, theology is a study of God. Is theology God-centered or is it man-centered? It's supposed to be God-centered. It's all about God because the only reason we love him is because he loved us first. The more we know who God is, the more awesome we see him, and the more we just obey, the more we want to be like him, the more we want to follow him. But when we take our theology and twist it and make it man-centered, how can I benefit from knowing God? What can I get out of God? Now, you might not say it that way, but when you have a man-centered theology, which is where theology is going, and it leaves being God-centered, you're going to get things twisted. It's going to get messed up. So, man, he said, we all used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature by our very natures. JJ, which, what kind of nature was that? A sin nature. Yeah. The wager of sin, not just the one sin you committed, but your nature to sin that was selfish instead of selfless. By that very nature, we were subject to God's anger. What's another name for anger? Wrath. Wrath. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. You are subject to die in your sin and go to hell and spend eternity there because you crossed the line against God and you always miss the mark of perfection. So how in the world can you get 
your sins, your transgressions covered where they don't count against you, and how in the world can you ever achieve perfection? Could there be somebody, Mac, who could take away those transgressions and the penalties and, and, and get rid of them and, and give us perfections? Mac, I, and I, I'm not going to ask about Holly because we know she's closer to perfection than you, but Holly, is there any way Mac could become perfect? Is there any way that God could look at him? Is there anything we could put on him where God would say, oh, Mac's perfect? One thing, and that's what? Yeah, the blood of Christ, the sacrifice Christ performed. When Christ died on the cross, he, he, he died our death so we could live his life, man. And it's his perfection that gets applied to us. So by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. We deserved wrath. We deserved to die and go to hell. That's not popular, but this is what the scripture says. Hang in there, because right now, how many are like, God, I wish I didn't come to church today, dude. <laughs> we're in the casket. How many of y'all want to play in the casket now? No, quit going back to the casket. I promise you, we are fixing to jump into the treasure chest, and it's going to be fun there, all right? But if you don't know how bad the casket is, you don't know how good the treasure chest is, amen? That's why Paul wrote it this way. That's why God, the Holy Spirit, put it in his heart this way. And he wrote it not only church at Ephesus, but the one at Samaria going through persecution. He wrote to all those churches up there that later John addressed 30 years later. So he said, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, like just like everyone else. Who in here came into this world and was now qualified for heaven? Carla, were you qualified? You're a pretty nice person, right? Were you qualified? Well, his head isn't even moving, man. You were, how long y'all been married? Mike, long time, long enough not to shake your head like, not even, you did not even blink and flinch go like, you know. I could have got some other guys to bite, but I knew y'all were mature enough in your marriage. But man, did you come qualified for heaven? No, none of us did. We all deserved eternal death. He said, man, by our very nature of sin, we were subject to God's wrath, just like who? Everyone else. That excludes no one. That's so I want you to see this is where you were. How many of y'all are cool with that? Hold up your ticket to hell and say, woohoo. No, dude. Nobody's excited about that. Oh, here's the next two words. Everybody said, we were dead. But God, and I want you to see what God is going to do, what God has done. You're as far away from that casket as you ever have to be unless you keep wanting to go back and live in there. But you have a treasure chest that is in death. Man, you dig down. Uh, how many of y'all, Dane, have you found some treasure in your treasure box recently in the last week or so? Yeah, but when you first saw that treasure three weeks ago with a broken knee, broken ankle, broken, broken spear, broken everything, where you're like, what in the world is this? I go to antique stores, man. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's a treasure. I just don't know what kind of treasure yet. But you know what you told us last night around the campfire? God identified that treasure. You didn't know what it was, and he showed you the value of it. And the value wasn't in knowing it, but knowing that God had a plan for it. Look at your face, dude. That's way better than the face I saw last time from you. Your countenance, man. Look at that. Chrissy, isn't that much better? Man, y'all had have more campfires. I'm just saying. But, but literally, that's it. But God, he wants us to dig through that treasure box. And sometimes we don't understand why something's in the treasure box, but God does. And it's to make us more like him. It's for his glory and our good in a nutshell. So check out Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10. But God is so what? Rich in what? And what is mercy? Not, what is it? Not getting what you deserve. What did we already determine you deserve, Fernanda? You, personally, not your kids, you. What did you deserve? To die and go to hell and stay there for how long? If you, that's why we had to look at that, because how many, I'm not even asking you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many people in this room, after seeing the word of God, still don't believe that's what they deserved. No, that's your interpretation. I don't know how else to interpret it. Y'all read it. It's there. You deserved it. So he is so rich in not giving you what you deserve. Shouldn't that require, shouldn't that warrant an hallelujah, y'all? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm using Zane's word, man. Everybody just, because I want to hear you, man. Can y'all just say, man, can't y'all, he's rich in mercy, not giving you what you deserve. And y'all say it like Zane. There you go. Just like Zane. That's that's what you sound like, Zane. All right. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Man, just sit there. This is where the treasure box is. You already got the cask. Hey, where do dead people live, Tara? In a casket. That's what's in the casket, okay? And we have a treasure box. Oh, one of my favorite verses, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, 7, says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the power and excellency can be seen and everybody knows it's God and not me. Earthen vessels bake dirt. Y'all know that's what y'all, y'all are baked dirt. Some of y'all are prettier than others in other people's eyes and stuff. You're baked dirt. And we have a treasure inside. We are. So if we have a treasure inside, Gavin, that makes us what kind of box? Come on, Gavin. Just say, I am a treasure box. (laughs) No, you can't even bring yourself. All right. And you, April? I'm a treasure box. Just say, I'm a treasure box. All right. Y'all help them out. I am a. Do you look at yourself that way? Hey, let me ask you a question. Is it dependent on what kind of day you're having? (laughs) You're like, well, you should have seen me. I'm a casket today. (laughs) I'm a treasure box. Woo, I'm a casket treasure dead man box. (laughs) You know, how many of y'all have those days? It's not dependent upon you and your performance, right, Chris? When are you a treasure box, Chris? From the moment what happened? that you got saved and you were no longer spiritually dead. Now you're spiritually alive. Chris, I know you'll say it. (laughs) Come on, man, in your best operatic voice. Oh, I have a treasure box. (laughs) Yeah, baby. We're a treasure box. Man, tomorrow, isn't that much better than, you know, well, I got to love myself. And if I finally can love myself, then I can love some other people. No, I'm a treasure box. And who are you a treasure box to? God, yes. Thank you for answering for her, man. I'm a, you're a treasure box to God. So does it matter who else you're a treasure box to? No, you're a treasure box to God. And if we all see ourselves as treasure boxes to God, not in our wildest figment of our imagination, whatever, but in reality, in the word of God, which is the truth, we are a treasure box. And we treat each other like that. Can you imagine if in our marriages we treated each other like we're treasure boxes? Can you imagine if we treat our kids like they're treasure boxes? We treat, we, we treat all our brothers, we love each other. We're treasure boxes. And, and when we see one of the treasure boxes kind of lingering in the casket, man, dude, you're not, a ca- you're not dead, you're alive. Come back, dig in the treasure box. Get out of the casket. Can you now imagine when you know the value of living in the treasure box and you see people who really are dead? Where does your heart go? What does your heart want? It's like, dude, there's something way better. You don't have to live there. Come. Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ who can now make you a treasure in a treasure box. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Here's how much he loved you. that That even though we were dead because of our sins, it wasn't like, oh, you know, Jean, like, all of a sudden, she got a little, you know, little bright hope, you know. She's a casket, and all of a sudden, we found a big diamond ring. Oh, she might be worth saving. <laughs> wow, there might be a little hope in this one. How much hope was there in any of us, Chris? None. How much worth was there in any of us? None. Why did he choose to love us? Grace, because of his mercy and love, that's why he chose. It wasn't that he found a little diamond ring in your, cha- in your casket. He picked you, and we've already talked about that. We're not talking about this. All we're talking about is the fact he picked you. One-legged person for his kickball team, amen? <laughs> he picked you, even though we were dead because of our sins. So how much did you have to offer him right there? You didn't have nothing. You didn't have jack to offer him. You didn't have nothing to offer him. Man, Because of even while you were dead in your sins, he gave us. How much does it cost to get something for free, Bob? Not a thing. (laughs) You just got to come up with enough to just say, yeah, yeah. Put some breath in your lungs. Say, I want it. I want it. How many of y'all put enough breath in your lungs to say, I want it? Amen. So he said he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
It's kind of some metaphysical thing. Do you know one day we're going to understand this, that we were there when Christ got raised from the dead? We're part of that. We're part of that the same way that Christ was part of us when he was crucified for his sins. He took all our sins to the cross. We were there. He took our sins so that we could participate in his resurrection. And one day we're going to fully understand that. Right now, we just got to believe it through faith. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And look at what Paul puts in parentheses again, in case you're wondering, well, I had a little something to do. How many of y'all think he had a little something to do with it? Come on, just a little. Legalism hates that. Religion hates that. Man hates that. Man wants to feel like they've done something. Wants to feel like, well, I've, I've done something. Maybe so we can compare ourselves to other men. God wants us to know we have all failed. We have all crossed his line. None of us, man, from the skid row, the dude on death row, to the richest, most philanthropic, what's the word I'm looking for? Full of philanthropy, philanthropic, no, I don't know. The, the person who gives away millions upon billions for everybody without Christ, they are equally lost. Might not be equally as sinful, but they're equally lost. That's why everybody needs Christ. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And look what he says. It's only by God's what? That you've been saved. Only by God's. So if it's only by grace, what's it by, Steve? Grace. Is there anything else? If it's only by grace, is there anything else necessary? And, And do you have any grace to add to it? No. In fact, God is abundantly graceful. There's Spurgeon said he's got more grace than the world will ever need. He's got more grace than you'll ever need. He has all the grace you'll ever need. And he's got more on top of that. It's only by grace that you've been saved. And none of that grace came from you, man. So if it, if you aren't responsible, Brandon, for your salvation, can you be responsible for losing it? If you're responsible for getting it, can you be responsible for losing it? No, dude, he did everything for you to get it. So the only way you could lose it, if he says, oh, no, you weren't worth it. You did. Oh, that diamond ring, dude, that was cubic zirconium, right? You know, oh, heck, man, I didn't, I can't believe I got fooled by somebody from Detroit again or Michigan again. No, but no, he knows everything. And he knows that eventually in the end, you're going to be just like who? Christ. He knows your future. And so if you weren't responsible, didn't do anything to get it, you can't do anything to lose it. Amen. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Look at this. We're almost done here. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. In some metaphysical way, if you will, bottom line, Christ took our sins to the grave. For him to take our sins, we had to be there. I'm only almost 60 years old, so it was way before, but I was there. The same way that when he raised Christ from the dead, I got risen with him. That same power is mine. And it says, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. So why are, why are we seated in the heavenly realm? Because we're united with who? Because Karen's had a good day. Karen made cookies and please people today. Karen finally got Johnny to do something today. No, I'm just messing with you. And Johnny, Johnny, out of the goodness of his heart, participated. No, I'm just, that's why God's, I know, that's why God puts all this together, bro. If both y'all were the same, one of y'all wouldn't be necessary. I'm just saying. But so, that, but then that how we think, oh, we've had a good day today. No, man. It's because we're united with Christ. Now, how many of y'all have actually been to heaven, physically been to heaven? Not yet, because that's what it's talking about. It says, he, uh, and he seated us, that's us, with him in the heavenly realm because we're united with Christ. So right now, how many of y'all are, how many of y'all have had some good fellowship with Christ? How many of y'all, you didn't have that before Christ. You didn't have that before you got saved. Now that you're saved while we're on this planet, we have the opportunity like Mary and Martha, like Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. Man, Lazarus came and had fellowship with him. We have that privilege, that opportunity, which they didn't have before the curtain in the temple was torn before Christ died. When he died, that curtain, man, that thick curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, now giving men access to the Holy of Holies because of what Christ did on the cross. You have access to him. 
that they didn't have before. Had to go through a priest. Now who's the priest? Everybody say, I am. <laughs> you are. And, and so we have access, but is this all the access we're ever going to have? Hey, Deborah, is this, is this all the access? Is it going to get better one day? Oh, you are going to see. You're going to see him face to face. And not only are you going to see how perfect he is, but who else is going to be perfect, Deborah? Yeah, isn't that going to be awesome? We're going to be perfect. And everything's, yeah, and I'm just looking at y'all. Y'all ain't, man, 50, 75 years. We're all going to be face to face, right? I'm just saying. (laughs) I don't know how long, and I'm really hoping he comes back soon. So, seated with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. Look at verse 7. So God, now here's why God did this, okay? This is why God took you who were in the casket. You were all dead. You all violated his principles. I mean, what happened in Genesis chapter 6 when people all lived for themselves instead of God and they didn't love him no more? They didn't want to do anything with him anymore. What did God send to destroy them all? A flood, Yeah, and they gave us a rainbow to promise that next time it rains, don't freak out because that doesn't, I'm not going to flood it over again. That's what the rainbow's for. God keeps his promises in case you ever hear any other explanations for it. It's a lie out of the pit of hell. But it's it's to show us that what God has done in flooding the earth, he's never going to have to do it. Otherwise, you'd be freaking out every time it started raining, right, Fernanda? Now you're like, oh, yeah, God ain't going to do that again because I've seen the rainbow. But What did he do? He destroyed it because everybody trespassed against him. Everybody blew perfection. But here, man, he took us and he lifted us up with Christ and he gave us eternal life. And how many of you right now think you're a trophy of God's grace? Anybody? Yeah. Scott, you're awake, bro. Thank you. Or you learned a new trick. Did, did she put a little, little thing with a screen? <laughs> no, you're awake. No, you are a trophy of God's grace. None of you deserved it. It was only his grace. Look at this next part. So God, here's why he took you out of the mire, took you out of death, took you out of all this, not because he found some cubic zirconian ring in your coffin. There was nothing in your coffin worth taking except that he loved you and chose you. And it's so he can point to us Bob, he's going to point to you in all future ages. Hey, so let me ask you a question. If he's pointing to you in all future ages, then are you ever going to lose your salvation? No. Do you understand you have an eternal purpose to bring God glory? And he's going to get glory because he's saying, oh my goodness, it's Bob and Gene. You should have seen them before I came in their life. Oh my goodness, man. Now look at them. Now look at what I did. Oh, and here's what they did even after they got saved. Oh my goodness. And they didn't even think they were saved, but I know they were. And man, we brought them in and look, now they look like Christ. And he's going to say, see, and look what he says. So he can point to us in all future generations. That means, Barb, you have an eternal purpose and God's always going to get glory out of your life as examples of the incredible wealth of what? His what? He's always going to be able to look at you and show everyone in in heaven the grace he's put on your life. He's even going to go to husbands and wives and say, man, do you see what I, do you remember what happened when your spouse got saved? Do you remember when they started following me? Do you remember, would you have ever thought they were going to be perfect? How many of y'all can picture your spouse as perfect and you've been married more than, let's just say, a year? No, I'm just Zane, brownie points, bro. You're working on it. You're working it hard. Yeah. No, we see our imperfect. Now, when you're dating, it's like, oh, you know, but, but then, man, the underwear falls on the floor. I'm just saying, no, I'm just joking. But so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. Once he saved you, Brad, he's always now pointing and saying, look what I did. Is he ever saying, look what Brad did? Not really. He's saying, look what I did. Now look what I look what Brad did after what I did, and he's following me. Because the only thing he ever praises humans for is faith. Look what I did. Look what I did. He's always looking at you saying, look what I did. You're uh, You're an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness that he has given to us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ. There it is again. That's, that's, you got to be united in Christ to have this. There's no other way, okay? But you are a trophy. 
God's going to pick it up and say, look what, he's going to pick Rick up and say, look what I did. Look what I did. Everyone in Marissa, look what I did. So can you imagine what it's like when we start saying, look what I did? It's all about him. It's God-centered. It's all about what he did. That's why he did what he did. Look at verse 8. God saved you by his what? Grace. That's what you were saved by. Grace is the desire and ability to do what he's asked you to do, according to Philippians. Grace is his unmerited love, nothing we could ever deserve, ever earn. He saved you by grace when you believe. Now, some of your translators say you were saved by grace through faith, okay? And some people believe that faith is what it means. You've been saved by faith. But the fact, but in reality, if you look at the Greek, and I'm going to disagree with John MacArthur right here because he's one of the ones who thinks it's faith, but somebody explained to me this way one time, you were saved by grace. Grace is what's running out of the water hose. Faith is the water hose it runs through. How many of y'all are like ever so thirsty? Remember when you were kids? How many of y'all drank out of the water hose? I know y'all drank out. You drank out of the water hose? Did you go to the water hose and start chewing on the hose? No, you didn't chew on the hose. What you did is you wanted, you wanted to get blasted by the goodness coming out, which was the grace. You were saved by grace. That nothing to do on your own when you believed. And he even gave you the desire and ability to believe that faith is a gift, and that's biblical. And look what he even says, in case you don't get it. <laughs> I mean, we must be pretty dense if you have to keep repeating this from beginning to end. We had nothing to do with this. And you can't take credit for this. It's a what? Yeah, you didn't even pay for it. It's a free gift. He gave it to you. And if he gave it to you, and it's a promise of eternal life, you can't ever do anything to lose it. Like D.L. Moody. If you haven't read D.L. Moody, read D.L. Moody. Good, cheap books, man. But he, God uses overweight shoe salesmen who got saved, who butchered the king's English to lead two continents to Christ along with Spurgeon. They used to pick at each other. Great, great books. D.L. Murdy said, you know what I love about this? He said, if we could take any credit for this at all, I would have to sit around heaven listening to you guys brag about what you did. <laughs> He's like, but I don't. All we get to do is sit around heaven listening to God brag about what he did. How many of y'all are cool with that? I'm, but how many are like, well, but wait a minute, but I want a little something to brag about. You know, my, my rewards I earn, my thing, I want to brag. No, it's not about it. When we see it, when it's all said and done, it's all God who did it, and only God can take it away. You can't mess it up. You're going to be perfect one day. Now, if you want to go live, where do dead people live again? The casket. You want to go back and live in your old life? You want to go live in the casket in your mistakes and in your sins? You want to go learn, live in there? Go ahead, but you've got an unlimited treasure box right here. You find yourself in the casket. Man, go to the treasure box. And the treasure box don't always look like treasures. Like Zane said, your knees, your body hurts. Somebody dies in your life. Something happens. It hurts. Something dies. Something. But it's all part of the treasure box if you see it from God's perspective. Through his grace, he's, he's trying to make you more like him, which is the greatest treasure of all. You don't want to be like God. You don't want to be saved. You've got to understand that's what he's doing. He says, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for doing good things. Otherwise, none of us would have it. He said, salvation is not a reward for doing good things we've done. None of us can boast about it. So man, oh God, I got to share this. I, what time is it? 11.30, man? Well, Zane, we had Zane back. That's why. Otherwise, we'd have been, no, I'm just messing. How many of y'all heard God through Zane? Yeah. How many of y'all heard God through Al? Yeah. How many of you heard God through the music? Yeah. And, and everything, all the other praise jar things. Y'all heard God, right? How many of y'all know God doesn't live by time? Uh, I didn't hear y'all clapping, man. Come on. God ain't got a watch. He ain't got a calendar, man. A one day is like a thousand years, dude. So we're talking a couple hours here, man. Seriously, we're almost done, man. Look at this last verse. I can't stop. Y'all are welcome to get up and walk out if God's telling you to do that right now. 
And even if y'all did, I'm still going for the people who sat here, all right? You're like, well, then get on with it. No, I got one more verse, man, that I've got to share with you guys because the Holy Spirit of God has burned these 10 verses into my heart. This has so encouraged me because I'm your pastor and I live in this casket sometimes. I go back and live in the casket. If I am totally focused on going through things in the treasure box, where can't I be focused? Over in the casket. How many of y'all ever get distracted by the casket? Yeah. You get distracted by the casket, go start digging in the treasure box. Now, if he wants to pull things out of the casket and put them in there, then you know they're going to turn into treasure. It's a good thing. Look what he says. We are God's masterpiece. Some of your translations, what else do they say? We are God's what? Help me out. Workmanship. What else? Say it louder. Yeah, handiwork. And, and, and actually, the Greek word we get this from is the word poem. We are God's poem. I like masterpiece because, man, if you couldn't say, I'm a treasure box, can you say, I'm God's masterpiece? <laughs> Come on, help me out, Gavin. Do you believe that? You are. You are God's ma- Your wife thinks that of you, man. I don't care what she says in public. No, I'm just <laughs> No, you're God. We are God's masterpiece, y'all. We're his poem. He's, wor- he's finishing this masterpiece like a master artist. He's finishing it. Quit jumping off the easel. Quit jumping off the potter's wheel and going back in the casket. We're supposed to be seeing life from God's perspective, digging in the treasure box, seeing every single thing God has brought into our life as treasure. And it don't always look like it, does it, Zane? And, but you hang on and keep seeing it and hang around with people who help you see it that way. And one day you're going to be in the joy bucket saying, this is a treasure. That's what it's about. In fact, man, it's a poem. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Eddie was dead. Now he's going to be like you. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's the best impromptu I got, man. <laughs> Some of y'all are shaking your head like, oh, he did not just go there. But yes, I did, because the Holy Spirit told me to. You need to come up with a poem. Ask God, say, God, show me the poem you got for me. Here's masterpiece. Did y'all look at yourselves that way? So often we're so busy beating ourselves up. We're like those monkeys in a barrel hanging on to the world. Like, I'm trying to live for Christ, but I'm hanging in, keeping one hand in the world. Just jump into Christ with everything. That's what it's about. We are God's masterpiece. We're his poem. We're his his novel. We're we're his joy. We're his story that he's going to be bragging in eternity about. Any one of you that's saved. And if you're not saved, and you even have a desire to be saved, that desire comes from give your life to him right now. How many of y'all would encourage somebody who's not saved to give their life to him right now? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. How many of y'all would say, dude, don't do it. It's the worst thing I ever did. None of y'all would. Man, just do it. You're his masterpiece. You're his treasure. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So if everything you have been created new, where do you live? You live in the treasure box or you live in a casket? This is where you were dead. Mark, you remember back in the day when they were like used to go through deacons and all this stuff, and they'd be like, All right, so, okay, so I see some disqualifications. Was that before you gave your life to Christ or after you gave your life to Christ? It wasn't that a delineation always, even as a pastor. Did you do that before Christ or after Christ? We used to joke about BC or AC, right? Before or after Christ, because it makes a difference. But somehow we don't think it makes a difference in our own lives. Dude, if I did what I did before Christ, you would not want me to be your pastor because I'd probably still be doing it. It's after Christ that counts. That's the treasure box. Quit going back into the casket. He said, man, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? Look at this. This is it. This is it. So we can do what? Where do you find the good things? In the casket or in the treasure box? Why are you looking in the casket? Because you just get distracted because the devil who runs this world... He's got this world system that is so attractive to our flesh, which we still have. And he keeps attracting us, dangling the right bait to get us to look back in the casket. But we have a new nature. We still have that old one, 
Whichever one we feed, that's the one we're going to be like. We have that new nature in Christ. You feed it some soul food, baby, you're going to be looking in the treasure box. You don't do anything this world's going to feed your old nature, and you're going to end up back in the casket. Eternally, you're going to end up as a treasure, but you're going to miss why he's got you here. So we can do good things. Now, look at this. Hey, Barb, how long do you think he's been planning good things for you to do? The minute you leave her, the minute you're here, he's got something good for you to do always. I would say the good thing is listening and answering right now. That's what I would just say. But, but and I'm not setting you up for anything, but, but the minute you leave, you're going to have good things. How long ago did he plan those good things for you, Barb? Yeah. And how long has he been pursuing you now? Well, actually, kind of whole life, but he let you know about a year or so ago, right? How long has that been now? Yeah. Now, why are you being so mousy and quiet, man? You're not usually, you're usually loud and boisterous. No, you're not. You are. But, but listen, man, he's been, he's been pursuing you a little over here, but he's been planning good things for you for how long? Forever. Look at this. So we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Hey, let me ask you a question. When you have your little pity parties, when you decide, I want to go live in this casket again, oh, I'm going to try to figure out why everything's a mess right now. It ain't there. It's because you ain't playing in. If, if you're over here, where can't you be, Dane? Over here. And have you ever got so, I am the master. My wife, my wife, she, if you are five minutes, uh, if you're five minutes early, you're late. Any of y'all here? If you're five minutes early, you're late. Anybody here? Come on, testify. Half of you have to be that way. Yeah, because you're married to somebody like me that is milking every second of it. Like, oh, I can do this for five more minutes, and then it'll only take me two nanoseconds to get here and to do all of this. That's why I get so upset when people drive slow in front of me. They've messed my whole plan up. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm just, I'm, and I don't even know where I was going with that, <laughs> but it'll come back. I'll pull that mental wedgie in a minute here, but so we, so <laughs> if y'all got an idea, let me know, but I'm just going to end right here, man. God has planned good things for us every moment. And again, we've, oh, I know what it is. <laughs> Thank you all for praying. Who prayed? Who, how many of y'all prayed that God would bring that one point back up again? Yeah, how many of y'all, like me, get distracted? You get in that closet and you're finding things like, oh, I haven't seen that forever. Or, or you start, I lost Frisbee, did, my, 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 my disc golf gifts, and next thing I know, I've, I've, I've spent 30 minutes instead of five minutes doing something. Have you ever got lost doing something? Matt, cleaning your boat. Oh, look at that detail. Now, I know you're in a boat club now. Are they getting mad at you for cleaning the boat club boats? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. But, but man, yeah, you, can, you get lost in doing things sometimes, don't you? Anybody that way? Dude, get lost in digging through the treasure box. Taking whatever God has put in your life right now and seeing it from his perspective and doing what he wants you to do with it in such a way that when you give an account for that, you one day hear the words, what are we looking to hear from him? Yeah, well done, good and faithful servant with every bit of it. So I will say, even though I know some of your butts are asleep, some of you guys are experiencing pins and needles right now. I'm just saying you have, I, I've given you what God has given me. And I'm just going to say for you being here and, and, and here to hear this and the way I know you're going to apply it, man, man, well done, good and faithful servant. Because Lord knows there's no way I could sit like y'all and listen. Mark, you're a pastor. You're probably dying right now. You're like, dude, I want to get up there. I could have said that in a whole lot shorter way. Well, anyways, I'm just saying, man, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for paying attention. But understand, it's not coming from me. This is coming from God Almighty. And he does not want us living in the casket. We were dead then. Nothing of value there. He wants us living in the treasure box. Being preoccupied in that treasure box for how long? Forever. Because the farther you dig in it, the more stuff you're going to find. And it's going to be awesome. And when you find cool stuff, what do you do, Chris? You find cool stuff. Oh, Tara, look what I found. Well, what's that? Well, I don't care. You do. Like, oh, my goodness. This is, you don't understand what this does and how valuable it is. And, you know, 
That's why I'm keeping it. Don't throw it out. No, but, but yeah, that's what we find in the treasure box, man. So live in the treasure box, y'all, not in the casket. That's where dead people live. You're alive. No matter how you follow them. If you're a believer, you're alive. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. <laughs> thank you for showing us you love us. Thank you for this chapter. And Father, I hope this little 10 verses is nothing more than a springboard. I pray that, I pray that everyone here would go back home and read these 10 verses again and reread them and read them in different translations. Reread them and ask your Holy Spirit to like a book signing club where we get to hang out with the author and just ask the Holy Spirit what this means for our life. What, how do we apply it? especially in the unique, awkward situations each of us are in. Father, I pray that you would make this word come alive. You promise that it is alive. It's relevant. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So, Father, um, I just pray this would be a springboard, just a little something, something, a little lanyap on what this passage means. But I pray it would go deeper and deeper into our hearts so that as believers, we will not go back and live like dead people. We will not go back and visit the casket. No purpose if we're too busy digging through the treasure box. Pray that we live there and see how good you are. Because the more we know how much you love us, the more we can love you. And we know that when people fall in love, they do crazy things for the person they're in love with. That's who we want to be for you. If there's someone here that's never given their life to Christ, they're not sure they have, show them how simple just simply you've already given them that desire and ability they just simply have to put enough breath in their lungs to look up to you and be able to say yeah I want you and I want you only and I pray for these things in Jesus name amen